0: Right. Or that game too? Anybody ever... I mean, this was the vein of some of your existence, wasn't it? To be able to uh, play that game, uh, Simon, with, uh, with the bumps. Anybody know? Uh, what was your record? Anybody could... Um, what was the best you could do? Could you get to 10? Could you get to 10 on the sequence? 3, 4, maybe? Anybody want to guess? Maybe 5. <laughs> All right? And so it's always that one, right? You got to get that sync, get that rhythm. All right, well, let me ask you a question. All right, so online, let's play a quick game. What... Do you think the world, without Googling, without cheating, all right? No one do this. What do you think is the world record for Simon Sequence of that somebody was able to do? World record. Take a wild guess, all right? Online, type it, love, tell me. At the end, we'll see who's closest. Anybody want to guess? How many? Fifteen? Fifty. A hundred. Huh? 102, all right, so we got some. Anybody think it's more closer to 100 or closer to 50? Raise your hand if you think it's closer to 100. Closer to the 100 one, closer to 50? All right, the real answer is more in between, but it's actually more closer to 100, 84, all right? Could you imagine 80, who said, did somebody? No, wow, that was close, look at her. And so 84 on the sequence. Now, obviously, guys, how do you play the game? In order to play the game, you do what Simon tells you to do. If Simon says, do this, 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 you do it in that order. Well, today, like a little play on words, we're going to learn how to pray based on what Simon Peter has to say. You see how that worked there, right? And so Simon Peter is one of, of uh, Jesus's apostles, probably the most well-known one, probably the one that got the most, one of the most attention given. And I think it's everybody's favorite, right? Because Peter is just that dude that, everybody, whether you're a girl, a guy, you just relate to him, right? So relatable. And God used him in a mighty way, which is ironic in that you said today, we needed to be quick to listen, right? Slow to speak. And if you ever know anything about Peter, that's the opposite of him, right? Peter was the one to be slow to listen and quick to speak. And he would, uh, I've always heard it said that Peter had a foot-shaped mouth. Because he was just always just back. Oh my gosh! It was always just kind of doing that and saying too much. So, which is an interesting thing for after all these years of following Jesus, and and he writes two letters: first and second Peter. We're going to look at a combo of them today. We're going to put them in sync, and in that. We're going to look at the Simon's prayer sequence, all right? And the us when he talks about prayer, what does Simon Peter have to say about the sequence in which we pray, how we pray, what matters, all right? So we're going to look at that, and we're going to discover uh, what Simon Peter has to say about, listen, praying with the end in mind so that we can start living today. Now, I'm going to read one quick verse, so uh, I'm going to read 2 Peter verse 3, chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, 1 and 2. Here he kind of gives this connection of the two. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, if you don't got your Bibles, I got it for you. It says this, dear friends, this is now the second letter. So this is why we we know that the audience of the first letter is the same audience as the second. Peter is reaching out to a group of believers somewhere far away, you know, obviously not in his vicinity. And this is his second letter. So already in the second. You can. We can rightfully assume whatever he said in the first is implied. It's connected. He's building on that. And so, guys, I want to encourage you when you read the Bible. Do not. Um, it, it's great to be able to take a text and take one verse and look at that verse and be encouraged by that verse, 100%. But. You want to allow, sometimes you need to zoom out and see what else is there. Because in order to better understand uh, Peter's second letter, it's good to read the first one. So you guys have some stuff to read this week. But here he says, I have written to you in both letters. What do I want to do in both? Look at the heart of Peter behind these two. I want to stir up your sincere understanding by the way of reminder. And what is the reminder? Again, he's just reminding the important things. Verse 2, he says, so that you can recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of the Lord Jesus. And so he's writing these things so that they may remember. Guys, I want to challenge you for the the Christian in the house, if you've been walking with God for a long time, or for everyone that's just curious, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Guys, it is as much, all right? Following Jesus is as much remembering things that you've learned all right, versus just continuing learning new things. Like, it's just remembering is super important. So that is what he's trying to do here. And so I wanted to show you, because uh, the, this little chart, if we could put it up, uh, I'll make sure it's synced for everybody to see. Uh, it might be hard for you uh, online. You might be able to see it a little better. Everybody in-house, you can kind of check this out. And so this is a very general outline of both letters. And you can see his heart. What is he doing? What is the whole approach? In his first letter, he noticed that he talks about belief first. Man, just like Paul does, just like James, just like Jude. He focuses on this growing understanding of who God is. And so he focuses on what we believe in the the first chapter. Salvation of the believer is what Peter talks about. And then the salvation of the believer, that belief, it should overflow in our behavior. How? In the way that the believer submits to one another, expresses the love of God through submission in their relationships and the suffering of the believer in the midst of persecution because he is writing to people who are struggling. In fact, 1 Peter, they're dealing with a lot of external pressure, external persecution. 2 Peter, notice he does the same thing, but he doubles down a little bit more. He kind of bounces. I mean, this is a very general outline because he does bounce between the two. But in the belief section on 2 Peter, he focuses on cultivating a Christian character. And how do we do that? We add to our faith. Again, we continue to grow in the knowledge of our God, which produces a Christian character. Uh, failed to overflow. He talks about the condemnation of false teachers. Finally ends with the confidence of Jesus' return, which is a big overflow, a big behavior. So, all right, maybe we can come back here online. You can see me back again. So, but you, the, the thing with second... Is it the first one? What did I say was his first issue? Who are they dealing with on the out? Who are they dealing with? Outside guys, right? External pressure. In 2 Peter, a lot of them are dealing with the internal, with the internal fears and internal struggles, worries, temptation. So the other one was persecution, while in the second letter, it's all about dealing with personal temptations. And so what does he say? He, again, he wants to encourage them because both are the same. They are dealing and struggling with how do we follow God in the midst of this world. Let me ask you, if you've been a Christian for five minutes, have you ever wondered and struggled and were confused on how do we follow through on this faith in this world, yes or no? Every day. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to ask yourself this question, what does this look like? What does this look like? How? And sometimes you wish you could look in here and wish you could see a more specific answer, right? But instead, you get general things like, trust me, right? One of those, like, I I never liked that answer. I know my kids don't like it when they ask me because I I do it because, hey, it's a parent thing, right? When a kid asks mom, you know, mom, why do we got to do that? Because I said so. I mean, I was excited to throw that line down the first time, all right? Like I was waiting, waiting to be able to throw that down because I said so. Ah, Because I'm dad, because I'm mom, whatever, all right? Kids, you'll see it. It's, gonna, it's very satisfying to be able to say it one day, all right? But at the same time, and I know when me and my kids, we, we, we struggle sometimes. They ask questions, and, and I love that they ask questions, and it's very good to ask why. But sometimes, all right, sometimes I also want them to know, listen, if I'm asking you, you just got to trust me. Just do it. Like, I don't need to give you a reason. All right. If I, if it's a good reason, you know, you got to trust me. And so now with God, hey, he wants to give us reasons. Sometimes it's hard to understand, hard to process. Um, And so with all of this, as we're following Jesus, let's look at what Peter, because Peter was one that messed up a lot. Peter was one that, like I said, he's fumbled and stumbled a lot in his faith, even post. And so it's very interesting for a mature Peter. He's speaking from experience. What can we do? What can we do? And so now let's look at the key verse for today. This one's in 1 Peter, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 4, all right? 1 Peter 4. uh, I'm actually going to start reading, I think, in verse 6. um, 1 Peter 4? 7 and 8. Sorry, no. 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. He says this, the end of all things is near. Now, he's talking about the end of the world, the end of this age. The end of all things is near. So therefore, what does he say to do? Be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Now, somebody help me out. If you have a different translation online, can you type it? Love, can you let me know? Does, Does it say anything else besides for prayer for you? Be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Did it say anything else differently? In, or is it saying the same thing in a lot of your translations? Anybody have the same thing? Same thing, same thing. Online, same thing. All right, interesting. So so I wanted to double-check even on that one just so, for, to see what, what translation you guys had. So because of what? Because the end of all things. What should our focus be? What should our priority be? What does Simon say the sequence should be? And where do we start? Is anybody surprised that he starts here? In what? prayer. It should lead us, knowing that the end of the age is about to happen or whatever it is, knowing that Christ is returning, that should lead us to be alert and sober-minded for prayer. And above all, so now he kind of puts the importance of this, first this, but then above all, showing this other greater um, connection, maintain constant love. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, we want to wild guess what Greek word he used for love? It's the one, if, if you've been with me for a couple of weeks now, it's agape. You should not be confused about that word yet. Agape is the perfect love of God. Remember that word, because I might, I might come back to that in a second. It says, maintain the constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. It is, the, uh, it is the love of God. This is actually, he's quoting an Old Testament thing. Um, Jeez Jude uh, says, or it was James, he says something similar. And again, notice, guys, it is the love of God that, that kind of fills in the gaps. And it is only the love of God that can forgive all of our countless sins. It is God's limitless love that, or that forgives our countless sins. And so that is a big one. All right. So what is the big motivation on why we should pray and why we should love? What should we have in mind? What does he say? The end. The end of all things is near. The end of all things. Now, obviously, guys, how long has it been since he said those words? About 2,000 years running. And so, you know, Peter actually talks about that in his letters because one of the things was, hey, It's been decades. Some people, some of the believers thought that Jesus was just going to, you know, go around the block and he was going to be back in five minutes, literally. Like, they didn't think it was going to be that long. Around this time, as Peter's writing this, it has been decades, decades. And now they're starting to wonder, wait a minute, did we hear Jesus right? Did we hear Jesus right? Did he? Did we get it wrong? And man, he's taking a long time. Like, I mean, it is... If, oh, I don't know if, 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 if anybody outside of a Hispanic kid can understand this. So if you maybe, maybe. So help me out. This is my cultural experience. But, w- but something that feels like an eternity is when you are anywhere public and you ask your mom, when are we leaving? And she says, right now. All right, there it is. All right. So, okay, help me out. So I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a Hispanic thing. I don't know, it could be a black thing, an Asian thing, a white thing, I don't know. N- nod your heads, yes or no, I'm not sure. Because if, anyway, are you feeling me, right? What, what happens? If mom says, when are we leaving? Right now. What does that mean? I don't know, right? And so right now is maybe, but right now is slow motion right now, right? I mean, she's in the process, yes, of leaving, but we got to say bye to five people, and then we need to, you know, make this phone call. We got to do this, and then we get caught up in this conversation. For you, we haven't moved for 45 minutes, right? We haven't moved for 45 minutes, but in parent, no, we're, we're in the process of leaving. We have to do this, right? This is the thing, okay? So, I, mean, I don't know. You, you, you tell me. But I, I, I guarantee you that's probably what these Christians are feeling like. Jesus said, when are you coming back? I'm just, I'm coming back. Win. Trust me. All right, I'll be back. I'll be back. And then now they're, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so they're they're getting nerd And then now the persecution, which was a big confusion back then because they thought, oh no, is this the end of the world? Is the, you know, they, some of them really struggled with the fact that Jesus showed up and forgot him, all right? And then he left or, or something and he kind of, I don't know. But the thing, guys, is that it's, the the, the reality is that he's saying we need to pray with the end in mind, but. The problem was that it wasn't over yet, and so Peter was calling to encourage them, and they had two things that they were dealing with. We said it earlier. There was adversities and adversaries, two things that you and I all have, too. In fact, check this out. (coughs) Look at 1 Peter 5 in the next chapter, in verse 6 through 9. Look at the sequence. Look at this sequence. Get ready. This should be familiar if you've been with me for two weeks. Look at this, which which is why, guys, we're we're doing this, because there's a a reason why James, Jude, and Peter's letters all kind of... uh, Harmonize. Very interesting. Look at Second Peter, uh, 1 Peter, sorry, 5, 6, and 9, starting with verse 6. He says, I'm, I'm on the wrong page. He says this, 1 um, Peter, oh, my bad. I'm in the wrong chapter. All right, 5. There we go. Humble yourself. In his concluding statement in this letter, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Stop. This does not mean humble yourself now and God's going to uh, exalt you with that new promotion or that new relationship or that new this or that new level in life. You know, listen, the proper time of what? Jesus return. Like, we got to look at it like that. We, we, we look at these things and like, oh, if I just humble myself, God's going to give me that. God's going to give me this degree. God's going to give me this promotion. God's going to give me this. Stop it, all right? That's not the proper time. What's he been talking about? The end is, the time is almost ending. And so whenever it does, he says, if you humble yourself and God will exalt you at that moment, he will bring you up, raise you to new life. Verse seven, and so knowing that in end in mind, what should we do? Verse 7, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. Isn't that beautiful? Notice that God says, hey, whatever worries you, whatever is heavy on you, don't carry it. Don't carry it. Cast it off. Don't carry it. Now, what animal, help me out, guys, what animal do uh, is constantly, what farm animal, better, is constantly associated with human beings and Christians? Hmm? Say it again. All right. Think about it. What animal? And then you know, Jesus is connected to this. All right. Sheep. Right. Sheep. And people are sheep. Right. That could be a slam. All you know, right. If you think about it. Right. But Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. Do you know what sheep are not? They are not pack animals. You can't, They don't carry things like donkeys and, and horses. All right. If you put things on a sheep to carry like bags, the sheep freaks out, doesn't know what to do. All right. It's like, ah, it, it doesn't function right because sheep were not meant to carry anything. Sheep were meant to be led. She, hear me? Sheep were meant to be led. And so, us, we cannot carry. No wonder when the burden of sin is on our backs, no wonder we can't function. No wonder things just aren't right because these we were not meant to carry it. But what did Jesus do? He carried the burden of our sins for us on the cross so that we wouldn't have to carry it again. And so, but, but here, what does Paul say? Sometimes, hey, there's the ramifications of sin and this and struggles and worries. Whatever you care about or whatever your cares are, your anxiety or your fears, what are we supposed to do with it? Cast it off to him because you're not supposed to carry it. Now, let me stop some of you, casting sometimes kind of looks like hot potato, all right, where you're gonna, you gonna get it and then you get another one, okay? and then you're going to get another one, and you get another one because, man, there's a lot that can fill ourselves with anxiety and worry. There's a lot. And so I just encourage you guys, you know, wh- when it comes to casting your cares on him, it doesn't mean complaining. There's a lot of times, and I've done this too, and I've had to learn better, where sometimes I thought casting my cares was showing up to God and griping and complaining about so-and-so, complaining about something. But then I walked away still feeling the same because I didn't cast it off. I just complained. But casting off means, God, I need you. Step into this. Help me. Carry me as I'm trying to deal with this. Does that make sense, guys? That's a big one there. But cast it. And then what's the motivation? He says, why should we do it? Because he what? What does God do? He cares for us. Guys, that's an important one. You got to understand how many times I've even, I've said it this year, that it is so important to focus on the God you are praying to. Focus more on the God you're praying to than more on the words you're trying to say to him sometimes. Don't forget who you're talking to. Right? Don't forget this is your heavenly Father. Over and over again, Jesus would say, this is the Father you're talking to. And he would give examples of the Father, of a, being a loving and kind and gracious one. And so you got to remember who we're dealing with. It's God, and he cares about us. Verse 8, be sober-minded and alert. That, there it is again. All right? He talks, actually, if you read all of the letters, he says that phrase, sober-minded, a lot. We'll talk about that one. Be sober-minded and alert. Why? Now he's given another reason why. We cast our cares on God because why? He cares about us. We need to be sober-minded and alert. Why? Because what? Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone to devour. So what does he say in verse 9? Resist him. How? Firm in the faith. Firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. So here, Peter's just encouraging, hey, don't just think about yourself. Remember, Jesus taught us to pray our Father. Forgive us. Deliver us. Notice, don't be so conceited. Yeah, you got problems. You're not the only one. Don't make it all about you. You see that? So it can't just be that. But Notice, what is the devil, what animal now do we, are we associating with the devil? The what again? Y'all caught it? All right. There's a snake is one, right? And that's one. And then here he uses what? A lion. But notice that he didn't say he is a lion. What does he say? Like one. Who else is associated in the Bible? For those of you, if you don't know, I'm helping you out here. Who else is associated and is called a lion? Jesus is. The lion of the tribe of Judah is a name. So notice, the devil walks around like a roaring lion, very anti-Christ of him, trying to roar and mimic and speak false things into the world, but he wants you to think, oh, it's Jesus talking. He is trying to mislead you so that he could do what? Devour, destroy, steal. Jesus said it, the enemy comes to steal, rob, kill, destroy. And he doesn't show up. He doesn't pull up he doesn't pull up with the horns. He doesn't pull up with this intimidation. No, he wants to look like, sound like, and make you feel like it's Jesus talking. Only for you to realize you just bit a bait that inside there's a hook, and it's leading you away. This is a big deal. And so that's very important, guys, for us to be able to, like like Jimmy said, to learn to be quick to listen, because everything that, just because you hear a line roaring doesn't mean that could be Jesus. You got to really, are you listening? Are you listening to what he's being said? Are you listening to this? Because, because it is a big deal. It is a big deal, and so we got to keep an eye out on that. And so notice he said again, right, be sober-minded in that context, So now, earlier in chapter 4, he said, be sober-minded and alert in prayer because the end of all things are near. Here he says it again, be sober-minded and alert. Why? Because if the end is all near, you don't want to be misled. If the end is near, do not want to be misled because everything in the enemy wants is to be able to do that. And so, to be alert and sober-minded, guys, is, uh, when we think sober-minded, you obviously think of the opposite, right? What's the opposite of sober? (laughs) All right? Could be drunk under the influence of, right? What's the opposite of that? Right? Sober, not sober. Right? And if you are, you don't have to speak from experience, right? You can say, yeah, I read a book about it or whatever. But what is the? Uh, if you are not sober, you are not in control, right? If you are not sober, do you have a proper, healthy view of reality? No, right? You ever seen the the the, the videos of uh, you know policemen doing? Uh, those, those walks, right? They have that guy walk on the line. Why? Because if, you are, if you're not sober, everything is off. Your equilibrium is off. Your balance is off. Your, your, your eyes are, everything is off. Well, what, key, what gets us drunk, guys, mentally and spiritually? It's lies, right? The lies of the enemy get us drunk. It, it, throw, it throws off our mind. And that we can't see things. We can't feel things. We can't notice even walk right. We can't even walk in this life right if we are filling our mind with lies. So when he says be sober-minded, where does that come from? It comes from God and who He is and His Word. Be sober-minded, but it also and it, it implies, again, self-control. It is about not just being emotional, but learning to be rational. And so how do we do that? Again, we fill it by focusing on who God is. And Peter has some great examples, guys, of some... Um, not sober moments, all right? He's had a few. There was one time, um, all right, there was one time who Peter, it's around the back end. They're getting close to the end of uh, Jesus still alive. He hasn't, uh, meaning he didn't die on the cross yet. And Jesus is kind of really laying things out. He has this epic conversation. And he brings him and says, guys, who do you say that I am? Peter says, oh, I know who you are you're the son, you're, you're, you're the Messiah, you're the guy. And then, man, you know, he kind of hyped him up, and it was like, you know, you didn't figure that out. The Holy Spirit had to show you. And then later on, he says, the son of man, me, I am coming into this world to die. I will die for others. And he kind of unpacks that, and Jesus kind of just drops it, and everyone was like, wait, what? Like, their Messiah was not supposed to die. Their Messiah was supposed to show up and take names. Their Messiah was supposed to set stuff up. And so, Peter being very Peter and uh, being slow to listen, Peter rebukes Jesus in front of everybody and says, Jesus, I ain't, come here. Pulls him off to the side and says, Jesus, I ain't letting that happen to you. "Uh Uh-uh, no, sir. Not on my watch. Ride or die, baby. You know, I got you. Ain't no one gonna touch you. So he's like hyping Jesus up, but he's rebuking Jesus. He says, I gotta die. Peter says, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not gonna die. And then Jesus rebukes Peter. But interesting phrase. Some of you may have heard the story. He says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Because you are thinking about the things of man, not. And so, first off, imagine if you were Peter. Uh, he's talking to you and he calls you not by your name. He calls Satan. He says, hey, where is he? You know what? Where is he? R- get behind me, Satan. Why? Because he didn't even realize. He was not alert of the, even the enemy's implication or really the lie. What was the lie? And well, First off, Peter was too about himself. Oh, I'm not going to let this happen to you. I ain't going to let nothing happen to you. Peter, you're too focused on you. you you're too focused on you, man. And, and that's not being sober-minded. You're drunk on you. You're drunk. Go home. All right, what's that phrase? You know, Yeah. You're drunk on you. And then he didn't learn his lesson because a little bit later, They're going and they're after the last supper and they're about to pray and Jesus tells them three times, be alert and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And notice again, be alert to pray. And what do these three do? What do they do all three times? They took a nap. They went to sleep. And so, and some of it they, they talked about, and I think it was Luke who says that they were so overwhelmed by grief. They were hearing Jesus crying. I'm sure, guys, we've all been there. When you know somebody going through it and, it, and it weighs you down, right? It affects you. Well, what did they do? They did not cast their cares onto God. They didn't, they didn't start praying for Jesus, interceding for Jesus. They're like, yo, I can't take this. I need a break. I'm going to take a nap. And they fell asleep three times. And then Jesus shows up, and finally they wake up. Judas pulls up with his posse. They start to take Jesus, and what does Peter do? Peter takes that sword out and starts going, you know, kill Bill John Wick on everybody. That's what he wanted to do. I mean, he went, he tried to, the Bible says that Peter uh, sliced off somebody's ear. All right. Was that his goal? Nah. What was his goal? Dude was going for a headshot. I mean, did you keep, look at Peter. This was him. They're arresting him. They're taking him. And Peter is going for a headshot and just happened to miss, lop the ear off at that but this is who he was. And then Jesus tells him, you need to chill, bro. What did I tell you? This ain't it. This ain't it. Then he ran off, right? And so again, notice even then, what was Peter? How was he reacting? He was not trusting in God. He was reacting in his own strength and his own will. He was all focusing on himself. And so he didn't realize, again, how much even that was influencing him. It was causing him it was causing him to not walk right. And then the, you had the epic moment. After Jesus is taken, what happens later? Jesus is taken and then Peter is kind of lingering and gets a little closer. Somebody recognizes him. Yo, I know who you are. Weren't you with him? Nah, man, I don't know that fool. I don't know that guy. I don't know him. And then another person. Man, I think I saw you. Yeah, that is you. You were, no, nah, 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 man, that ain't me. That ain't me. That ain't me. And then the third person which happened to be a little girl, said, man, hold on, you even got the accent, you even got that accent. And he said, little girl, and went off on her, cussing and everything. And then, see, that night, what happens? Even the night of the Last Supper, before, before the, 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 the scrum, you know, the, the scrum that was happening in the garden, Peter, again, does the same thing. and says, Jesus, I will go to the end for you. I am there, ride or die forever, last supper. Jesus says, Peter, bro, you ain't going to even make it to the morning. He says, I'm going to the end with you, Jesus. And Jesus looks in front of him and says, you ain't going to even make it to the morning. Before the rooster crows and the sun is up, you would have denied me already three times, bro, and you got a few hours. The same night, it happened just like that. Those three times, three denials happened. Third one, boom. Then the rooster crows. It's the morning. And then Peter runs off, wrecked. What did I do? What did I do? He called it out. But he wasn't what? Listening. He wasn't trusting. He was all still trying to figure this out, leaning on himself. And so do you see when Peter says over and over again, you'll be sober-minded? Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded because I know. I know what it's like when you're just running and you're not listening and you're going quick. Be sober-minded and alert. And what was the other thing he says to do? But above all, what was that other word? To maintain constant. What was the love word? Agape, agape. Maintain love. So notice he didn't just say just pray. Don't pray about it. Just pray about it, which is important. But Again, notice that the flow, what does this look like? The sequence, again, is not broken when we put our dependence on God and trust in Him. And He, it is by knowing His love that awakens us, that love needs to flow out in the way that we love and treat one another. That's important because that is how we resist. When we humble ourselves before God, who humbled Himself on the cross, what do we do? We live humble lives if we are holding on to the love of God. And if God loves us and we believe it and you've received it, that love should reflect. And it needs to because of, look at this interesting example. Because we resist the devil in the flesh. Notice that we don't resist him by rebuking him. He does the same thing. You don't resist the devil by, you know, hey, you get behind me, Satan. All right, we don't do that. We resist him, how? In our faith. Same thing James says, humble yourself, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Peter says the same thing, humble yourself to the Lord, to his truth, and you will be able to resist the lies. You'll be able to resist the lies. And so, and, and it's supposed to flow through your life. And so we are firm in the faith, not in just the way we believe, but the way we practice it. Look at this interesting verse. Can we go to 1 Peter 3, 7? Now, Peter is talking about the, how love, how agape love should look like in all kinds of relationships. And he even says marriage ones. He says, wives, you need to sit. And this is, you don't have it there, but he says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And he goes deep on this. And he goes a little bit there on, on helping them to understand, wives, what it looks like in the way that you love through your word, through your deeds. Especially if, if your spouse is, is, a, is a non-believer or whatever. is. is this is what you got to do. Um, you love them. You, you serve uh, and reflect the love of Christ, right? Notice you, he says in verse 3, you don't have it, but he says, don't find women, don't find your identity in your uh, physical nature. You know, don't focus on that. Yeah, it's great for you to, you know, get your hair done, do this, do that, look cute. All right, I know, I get it. That's all great. All right, uh, you know, Florida girls are waiting for it to crack 65 so they can br- bring out the fuzzy boots, right? Or, you know, we not even, 72, right? That's, that's when all the fuzzy boots come out in Florida, right? 72. But notice he's saying, wives, submit to your husbands, and then husbands, submit to your wives, the same thing. Look at verse 7. He says in verse 7, interesting phrase, husbands, in the same way. So already there he's connecting, submit to. Guys, look, I don't know if you ever saw that. This is what love looks like. You ready? I'm going to show you visuals so you can maybe see. This is what love looks like. You ready? Whether it is husband and wife, parents and kids, boss and employee, neighbor and stranger. Ready? This is what it looks like. It's you serve, and then when you are serving one, this person does not then dominate. This, I honor you, and then I honor you, and I serve and serve. It is, this is what it looks like. So wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, and then husbands in the same way. In the same way. Live with your wives in, in an understanding way. Don't just dominate them. Strive to know them, understand them. Make them feel, you know, especially in that culture where even less than today, you know, you had women having less rights and, and less, uh, less influence, but in, in some cases and others, as a weaker partner doesn't mean that y'all weak ladies, listen, all right, my wife got a mean left hook, just ask the dude, you know, ask, ask a dude in high school, she broke his nose, right, she told me that story, I don't know why, I think she just told me that story just because, but you know what, I have never forgot that story, I'm like, I'll make sure I know what I'm going to say. All right, I'm going to make sure I know what I'm going to say, and be, I'm going to be careful the way I say it. All right, all right, that's good. You know, ladies, you got to know how to be able to, you know, land one. You never know. And so ladies are strong, you know. That's a, that, So when he says weaker partners, guys, he's not talking about, uh, oh, listen, you know, the girls are so delicate, and, you know, you got to take care of them, and, you know, you know they're going to be lost without you, and, and it's like, no, 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 and say, hey, fellas, you got to treat them like something delicate, like something beautiful, wonderful. Fellas, let me talk to you. We, everybody got one of these. You know, you ever seen a fella? Maybe it's with his car. Woo, you know, maybe, maybe the car is his thing. Maybe it's his body, right? The body is, yo, I'm going to take care of my body. I chisel it. I do this. I take care of that. Maybe some people it's memorabilia, something that is very valuable. And fellas, if you got something valuable, what do you do? You take care of it. You honor it. You display it. You watch over it. And that's what he's saying. You got to treat your wives in the same way with that same honor and respect and love that you would show all these things, showing them honor as, listen, co-heirs equal in value, equal in worth, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Whoa, slow down. You heard that one? Fellas, I don't know if you ever saw that one. Some of y'all, y'all married, some of you guys aren't married yet. Fellas, did you hear that one if you want to ever be married one day? The way that you can treat your wife, if you mistreat your wife, that actually messes up your prayers. Why? Why? First off, I, I ain't see that stipulation for the ladies, so it looks like y'all got, sc- got free. Listen to that one. Ladies, it, you didn't get that one. Why is this? There's this balance here, but notice again, the, at the essence of it, guys, what is he saying? He's saying, if there is a misunderstanding, if there is mistreatment, If there's mistreatment, there's no agape love. You can't just go up to God and say, God, I love you. I thank you. I need this. You're so great and wonderful. God's looking at you like, um, hello. Don't don't talk to me like I don't know what's going on. In fact, Jesus himself said this no matter your relationship, guys. Jesus said one time, if you're going to go give an offering and bring a worship to the Lord, but if if you have something undone, if if somebody has a problem with you, drop your offering, leave it, go fix it, then come back. Because Jesus over and over says, listen, I'm not here for you. I don't need you. I don't need this for you to just play games and check off religious boxes. No, this is for you. And and notice, guys, that again, this is where that horizontal and vertical love connect. You can't claim this right relationship with God if if you're not making efforts in these relationships right here, which is interesting, what is a horizontal and a vertical line combined to make? A cross. You can't make a cross without them. You can't claim to love God and then hate your neighbor. And you can't also say, well, I just love everybody. And then you don't, you're not respecting, you know, God's law, God's word, God's way, whatever it is. It is this combo one together, and so... Here he is saying, you gotta be careful that maintain constant love in your relationships. Because if if you're not making that effort, it's this is what stunts your growth. Some of you, you wonder, like, oh man, I'm not growing in my faith. I'm not growing. If you're not growing, it's because you're either not knowing or you are refusing to do what you know you should do. You're holding unforgiveness, you're holding bitterness, or whatever it is, and this is holding you back. And so he says this is important because it will mess up. He said earlier what? Keep sober-minded and pray and maintain constant love. Why? Because if you're not maintaining constant love, you ain't going to be able to pray. You see how the connections? You can't do one without the other. They're both together. Look at this other one. Um, can we put up 2 Peter 3? Look at this uh, connection too as well. So in maintaining constant love, how do we do that? By not trying harder, but ironically, again, back to where your focus is, on the love of God. Look at 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3.15, he says, I'm looking forward. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says, Also, my dear brothers and sisters, if you wait for these things, the end of the all things, make every effort to be found spotless, you know, found without spot, blemish. Also regard the patience, remember the patience of the Lord as salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. Paul speaks about the, these things. He's Paul's speaking about the love of God and what he has done for us in his letters. There are some things that's hard to understand in them. I love Peter's rawness in there. Peter says, listen, Paul, if you want to know about the love of God, man, you got to listen to Paul. But listen, I ain't going to lie. Some of the things he says a little, I don't know. I, I kind of don't get it sometimes. Uh, that's, that's so Peter right there, right? That is so Peter. So guys, if you have ever read something, you've ever read Romans, and you've ever read this, or you've ever read the New Testament, and Paul, I'm like, Paul, what are you talking about? Peter's like, I know, right? I know, right? I don't know this dude. He's on another level. But anyways, so I love that he says that. He says, hey, listen to even, he's referencing the letters that we were all reading earlier. There are some things hard to understand. The untaught and unstable twist them to their own destruction. And they will also do with the rest of Scripture. That's an interesting phrase, guys. Guys, I know, look, some of y'all just looked at that and probably didn't flinch, but I got to help you. What did he just say? The rest of Scripture. And who is he? What is he referencing? Paul's letters. So that's already telling us that the living Peter and the early church was already recognizing, hey, what Paul is writing? There's some things that Paul is writing that is equal to the Old Testament. It is the same thing. So that's why, that's why there's so much weight to that. It says, so therefore, dear brothers, since you, verse 17, since you know this in advance, meaning that there's gonna, the end is coming and people are twisting the truth, what should you do? Be on your guard. There it is. He's repeating what he said in, in, chapter, in his first one. Be on guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your what? Stable position in the faith. Because we resist him, how? firm in the faith. And so the only way you are unstable in the faith, if you, you know, you're going to tamboleo like that and you're going to be a little, is because of what? You're feeding, you're listening to lies. So be sober-minded and alert to what you're hearing, what you're noticing, where you're putting your faith in. And then how do you know you're doing it right? If you're seeing love. If the love of God is flowing in you, if you don't, something's up. And so you got to look at that. And so, but ultimately, guys, what he, Peter's looking at, it, he's trying to tell us is this. When it comes to this world and living in it, why did he say be sober-minded and alert for prayer? Notice even the desire. Why pray? Well, Peter was in that group, you know, when, uh, when they asked one of them, we don't know who. It might have been Peter, but I don't think so, because maybe he would have said it, but hmm. There's only one time in the Scriptures, in the Gospels, where the apostles, somebody asked Jesus, teach us how to do this. They never said, nowhere does it say, hey, teach us how to do a miracle. Teach us how to walk on water just in case, yo, I can't swim, right? Teach us how to do this. Teach us how to do, hey, listen, it'd be nice to be able to learn that little uh, multiplying bread kind of a thing, you know? Could you show us how to do that? Teach us how to cast out demons. They only ask one thing, teach us how to what? Teach us how to pray. Because they knew and they recognized there's just something about that. And that's the only one Jesus said, uh-huh, here you go. Notice, Jesus didn't teach how to do any of that stuff. He just told to do one. And what is prayer? What is prayer? But literally, if you think about, how, what did he teach to pray? How he taught to pray? That's what, when, when, Paul, when Peter is saying the same thing, be sober-minded for prayer, on how Jesus told us and how did Jesus teach us how to pray? By trusting in the nature and character of God and depending on him alone. Think about it. Before Jesus said, pray like this, he said, don't pray like this. God is not, you you don't have to impress him. You don't have to try to manipulate him. You don't have to be afraid of him. Like, God, I need to, again, this guy, again, this guy. You don't have to wonder and worry. God, uh, can I? I was like, this girl, again, she got the same thing. She don't learn. She don't learn. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna put her on hold all right? Like, I, I love my grandma, all right? I miss him to death, but man, my grandma, my dad's mom, oh, she could talk. She could talk, and, and, and I, I felt guilty, and I had to, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever done this, but my grandma would talk, but she would not breathe for 30 minutes. She would not breathe, and so I'm like, grandma, it's like, and so I, I would put her on mute, and just listen, and I'm walking around doing dishes, you know, walking around doing this, doing that, and then every once in a while, every like thirty seconds, unmute, uh huh, mute it again, just to kind of so she can hear me say something, and so she knows I'm on the left. Oh yeah, wow, see with that and then mute her again. I'm not listening. I feel bad. I was like, oh, I need to chill because you know she's talking to me. She wants to talk to me, so let me listen. God, God doesn't do that to us. God doesn't put us on hold like that because you're like, oh, this. but I got too many for you right now, man, and you 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 hear again with the same thing. When Jesus said, teach us how to pray, we have to be alert of who he is. He's a loving father who cares. But then notice all of the prayer requests. Notice all the prayer requests Jesus said we're supposed to pray for. His noticing rooted in his nature, holy God, father. That's our focus. But then what? We're asking for what? His kingdom, his will, his word, his grace, his mercy. Notice that. Forgive us. His, His mercy. Deliver us His grace. Guys, praying, you're supposed to depend on Him. That's what prayer looks like. So I want you to ask yourself when you pray, what does your prayer sound like? If your prayer sounds like, God, this is what I need, are you depending on Him? Like, are you rooted in trusting in Him, or are you just using Him? You see that? You know, it's very easy for us to go, like, you know, treat God and, like we do Jeff Bezos, Amazon. All right, I need this in my cart. I need it tomorrow, right? I was like, I need it tomorrow. All right, right now. For single day shipping. I can get it today? Even better. Listen, God is not an Amazon. God's not Amazon like that. We don't just run to him because we need something, and then we walk off. I right, appreciate it. Thank you. I'm going to leave you a five-star review. All right? We tr- It is, Lord, I need you. And when Paul says, Paul actually says, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Why? It doesn't mean that, guys, it it doesn't mean that that we have to, everything that we say has to be a prayer. But it's the perspective on prayer, meaning never stop depending on God. You hear that? Never stop, because once you start to, if you stop depending on God, what are you going to do? Who are you going to depend on now? You. You know, how, how good of a job do you do? Listen, there's a part of us, it's called the flesh. That's that you that does not like God, does not, you know, does not, uh, it wants everything that's outside of God. That's your flesh. If you've ever wanted to do the right, the wrong thing, and you liked it, that's your flesh. Here's the thing, guys, about your flesh. I don't know if your flesh is conscious of this, but that flesh don't go, doesn't come with us to heaven if you're a believer in Jesus. There's an end to this struggle. There's an end to this, and that's why I'm, I am sure when there is going to be a level of freedom that we will never, that it is going to be incomparable, we're not going to notice it until it's gone. We're not going to notice it until it's gone, but until then, we have it, and the flesh fights every single day to see the light of day. It fights in you to do everything that is outside of God because it doesn't want God. This is, the flesh is living, it, it, this is, it, the flesh is living its best life in this life. And the flesh does not want you to pray because the flesh wants you to depend on it. Because when you pray, you're not trying to depend on you. You're trying to depend on God. Flesh don't like that. And so that is that thing. That's that balance inside. And so you need to learn to depend on him. And how do we depend on him, man? Eyes on him growing in what? In the knowledge of who God is with that focus. In fact, I love this quote. Can we put it up from Warren Wiersbe? He says this, the Christian grows by nutrition, not addition. Just slow down and look at that one. Peter is talking about this. Paul's been talking about this. Jude, James, everybody, the Christian grows by nutrition, not addition. As I've seen a lot of uh, videos and, and YouTubes and TikToks and all this other stuff of um, anybody that want to try to you know um, get healthy right? You want to get healthy. You can go walking every day. You can do this. You can be in the gym for a minute, but how many of you know that it's what you eat? That's what's really going to determine all that stuff, yes or no, right? You can be in the gym and crushing it, but if your diet is wrong, you're wrecking your results. Same thing. You can go to church. You can read the Bible. You can pray all day. You can do this. You can serve. You can give. You can do all that, but if your nutrition, if you ain't eating on the daily bread that's here, you're not, then you're just wrecking your gains, you're wrecking your spiritual gains if you're not getting that. And so he says, the Christian grows by nutrition, not addition, because it is everything in the flesh and, and false teachers, they say, hey, you know what? In, in order to be saved, you got to believe in Jesus and you got to do this. Believe in Jesus and behave better. Believe in Jesus and give this. Believe in Jesus and. Believe in Jesus and. Believe in Jesus and. If you need to grow in the faith, yeah, trust in Jesus and do all of this so that you can level up. I kind of got into an argument with somebody on TikTok. I got to be careful um, because um, this dude started talking about prayer. And he goes, and, and, and rightfully, like, I, I came at him very respectful um, because he was talking about the secret place in prayer. All right. You ever, it's, Jesus talks about that. He's like, hey, when you go to pray, get in your secret place and close the door. So this person saying see Jesus is telling us that you and I all need to have a secret place within physical door that you need to close behind you. You need a consecrated place in your house that you can pray just you. That's super important. You need to have that. And so when he says that, here's the problem. Because he's saying see, you can pray anywhere. God will listen to you. But you know, there's certain places that are consecrated and if you consecrate it's like it's like the wi-fi reception is better in those places that's why when you go to church you feel the presence more why because this is a building that has been consecrated for the lord and when you gather in consecrated places and gather in consecrated spaces you get to hear and sense and see god so much better what's the problem with that there's a lot you know what? Jesus had a problem with that. Jesus said, hey, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to worship even in a temple. Even in a, It's not about the physical location, Jesus once said. And I, and I, and I interacted with this dude and I like, said, listen, yeah, bro, what makes it special is not the consecrated places, it's the consecrated people. That's what makes prayer powerful. It's when that person, it's not the place, it's the people. And yeah, the, you know, the place can be affected because it's the people that God is doing. But it, you got to focus on, on that and it, you got to depend it. So that's the addition part. It's like, hey, yo, you got to add a little more to it. No, we grow on nutrition. We don't, we grow, keep growing in what God has done for us. And so, guys, p- prayer, as we look at all this, prayer is processing. Guys, prayer is processing. When you pray, you are processing what God is showing you, what God is seeing. It is your verbal response to the spoken word of God. You hear me? It is, God, it is your verbal response to the spoken word. It is, It is, prayer is processing, but prayer is also practicing dependence. God, I still need you. And you never have to hear God say, bro, give me a break. You know, it's like, again? nah. it's like, God, I still need you. I'm like, I know, I got you. Like, prayer is practicing dependence. It's practicing, it's processing. And we have to do it because once, and this sounds so like no way, because prayer is so simple. Prayer is like those things like, oh, you know, it's not going to be missed. It, it's, it's too easy. But once your prayer life goes away, oh, everything else slides. And I, I don't know about you guys. I really wonder. I was like, man, out of all the spiritual disciplines that God gives us, why is it, why is prayer so important? Because if you stop praying, you know what you're doing? You're not dependent on him anymore. To not to pray is to act like, God, I got this. I don't need you. You, I want you to hear that. To not have this heart of prayer is to almost say, God, I can handle it myself. And once you start to handle it yourself, do you see why then you're going to not walk in a certain way? Because you're drunk now. You, you, you're sipping on the wrong Kool-Aid, bro. And like You're sipping on something that's going to get you, oh yeah, okay, I know what I'm doing now. Okay, this is a good idea. All right, Because you, have, you are now sipping not on the wellspring of life, but on something else. And so praying in that way is important because once you neglect this simple thing, you neglect this simple thing of trusting and calling out to God, you're going to start neglecting other significant things. It's a big deal. And so, so again, we see the same thing with Peter. Peter, sometimes he didn't even bother to pray about it. He just spoke on it, ran with it, and he learned a big lesson uh, and being able to process all of that. And so ultimately, I, I want to look at how he ends both of these as we end this. But uh, here's my, my, one application, if I can put it on here. Here's a, a, an interesting way to pray. Well, why won't you try this? Because it sounds like Peter was trying to communicate this. We need to pray like Jesus is going to show up today. Think about that. All right, let me ask you a question. If you knew Jesus was going to show up today, how would you pray? All right, would you stop praying? No, for man, you be praying for your mama and for your brother, for your, for your, for the dog next door. you be praying for your boss, Biden, Trump, all of them, man. Let's go run this. Run it. You're gonna be praying for everything, everyone. If you knew Jesus was gonna show up today, how would you pray? Differently. Dependent on him. Dependent. That's this what Peter's talking about, guys. The end is near, the end is coming. Now, we don't know. Even Peter said, you know what? Peter said himself, Jesus is taking his time. Not because he's slow or he's busy or he's, he's, he's talking to all the angels and he's doing the, you know, the Hispanic mom thing. You know, it's like, all right, hold on. Before I go, I got I to talk to some people. Jesus ain't doing that. He says he has taken his sweet time to be patient so that many more can be saved. Guys, I don't know the last time you were complaining, wondering, man, when is Jesus going to come back? You should be grateful that Jesus took his sweet time. What if Jesus would have showed up? Let me, I want you to listen to this. What if Jesus would have showed up? All of you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know that moment you said yes. You know that moment when you called on him. Could you imagine if he would have showed up right before that moment? Right, it wouldn't have happened. Jesus is waiting for the last possible second in which the last person who's going to say yes is going to say yes. And then when the house is full, he's going to pull up. He's waiting. And so part of that, so we understand he's not neglecting, he's not late. Oh, he's, he is so on time. But we put our trust in him, but knowing that, guys, one day we will get to stand before him. One day we will get to stand before him. And everything that we know of this world, it's going to end. And yes, this, this world is a very frustrating thing. In fact, one of the, probably the number one song, a super big song in the country right now is by, some redneck in the Appalachian Mountains, right, over in, I don't know if you ever saw Richmond, north of Richmond. That song is super popular by so many people, by every every nationality and across the board, because it's these songs that talk about the frustrations of this world and abuse and this and that and so much. And and yeah, there's this pain inside. And there's this wonder, frustration, internal, external. But the Christian, listen, a true Christian, we yes, we mourn, but we suffer with a smile on our face because we know there's good news. This will all end one day. This is all going to have an end. That when now when Paul says that the end of all things is near, that is a warning and an encouragement. Why is it a warning? Because there are some. Listen, there are some who have not. It could be here. It could be here. I honestly, I've, I've told Alicia this and I was like I think to the end until my last dying breath I am not going to assume that even one of my three kids are are I'm not going to assume that they're saved I'm going to treat them and pray for them and love them and tell them about Jesus until the very end because you just never know I've seen too much where you can be very you can believe someone oh they're saved yeah they're safe they're safe and you really don't know I look at all of you I wish I hope and pray that you are safe, but I don't know. That's why every single Sunday I still tell you, you put your trust in Christ because I don't want you to think and have false assumptions for the end to come and then it's too late. So the end of all things is drawing near. That day when Jesus is going to show up, guys, we're one day closer to that today. You woke up today one day closer to the day Jesus is going to pull up. And I pray that you meet him and trust him as Lord now. Face Him as your Savior now because it's not going to be pretty if you face Him as your judge. This is, God's going to give you what you want. If you wait till then, He's going to give you what you want in eternity without Him because you never asked. You never wanted Him here. And so it is a warning. It is a warning for us. And there is a warning because, again, notice that the enemy does not want you to be able to enjoy the ride from here to there. The enemy does not want to get you, you know, to... To be able to keep growing in that now. He wants to rob and kill and steal every moment that you have from here to that day. He does not want you to grow in Christ in all these things. It is, an encur- it is a warning, but at the end of all things is an encouragement too. Christian, you are one day closer to standing before your Savior. When, did you wake up this morning thinking about that? Did you wake up this morning thinking about that? You are one day closer today to standing in front of the presence of Christ forever, one day closer. Could it be today? Could it be tomorrow? We don't know, but you're one day closer, and that should cause you to pray with that sense of, um, not anxiety, the, the opposite, that, sen- that sense of, of, of excitement is the word, excitement and confidence, and then you should pray in that way as if he would, you know, The end is coming to an end, but that's why we should never end our prayers. And that's another one, too. I'm going to remind y'all, because not everybody was here. How do you end our prayer? How do you end prayer? What do we? we? In Jesus' name, amen. Who taught us how to do that? Not Jesus. If you look at Jesus' the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't have an end. It doesn't have an end. Others do it. James does it. Other people do it. They say amen. They end some of their letters. Amen. 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 Why amen? And Jesus, when he taught, pray in this way. Give us your kingdom. Right? Your kingdom come. You will be done. Uh, Your daily bread. Forgive us. Deliver us. No end because we're not... Jesus didn't, didn't teach us how to end our prayers because we're not supposed to end. Our dependence on him never ends. So when we do amen... And in Jesus' name, amen. What are we saying? Everything we're praying in, I'm trusting in you. I surrender all these things to you. And amen is a Hebrew word, it just means truth. It means I trust in you. I release you. Oh, and by the way, the book of Revelation says, and Jesus and others, he is the amen. It, amen is actually Jesus' his nickname. So when you pray, I am praying in you, trusting in you. My confidence is in you. I depend in you. Amen. It's not an end. Amen. It's just a praise. Do you guys know amen is praise? You end your prayers with praise. You don't end. It's, praise is how we pause our prayers. When we pray, amen is, wow, I love you. I trust you. That's what amen is. It's a pause. It's a prayer pause because we don't end. We don't stop depending on him. And so There is no end to our prayers and we should continue to pray and praise until the very end. Until Jesus shows up or until he calls us home. In fact, let me read you. Let's look at uh, Peter's last two. Look at the ending of both letters. Can we read it? Let's put up 1 Peter. Look at how he ends his first letter. Verse 10. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, Will Look what He will do the day that Jesus shows up, the day that we are called home. Look what He will do. He will restore you. He will establish you. He will strengthen you and support you after you have suffered a little while in this earth. He will not abandon you. He will do these things. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Praise God amen, is a praise. Praise him. Then he talks about some other stuff, about some brothers and sisters. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. And then let's look at verse uh, chapter 2. Verse thir- uh, chapter 2 Peter. Look at how he ends this one. 2 Peter 3, 18. Verse 13, uh, verse 17, he says, therefore, since you know this in advance, be on guard, reminding them of these things. But, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Savior Christ Jesus. To him be the glory both now and the day of eternity. The day when eternity. We get to set into that moment. But what does he say to do? What does he end with? What's the focus? Grow. In fact, the phrase actually means make it a habit of growing. Make it a habit of trusting in him. making it a habit of knowing who he is. Making it a habit of growing in the knowledge of Christ and in his word and who he is. To him be the glory both now and in the day of all eternity. Guys, again, pray with that end in mind. Pray with that end in mind. Pray like if Jesus was going to show up today. If you pre- and that's how we're supposed to live, by the way. Did you know that? Christian, we're supposed to live like if today would be our last. Jesus always said that, always. Be watchful, watchful, because it's going to happen quick, unbeknownst to you. Over and over again, Jesus gave examples. There's, we are not supposed to know the day nor the hour. We're just supposed to know him and keep knowing him, keep trusting in him, because it's his job. He'll handle it. He'll handle it. Even the apostles, when Jesus rose from the dead, they show up. They show up and said, all right, Jesus, is now the time? Is now we're going to get going? You're going to do this? Jesus said, man, it is not up to you to know that. This is all you need to know. Go into all the world and teach and, and help and make this. That's what he told him to do. Make that your focus is who he is. And we root it. And when we look at Peter, where is all this praise and this desire and this love coming from? Because of the mighty love of God that was displayed on him. For him, through what? cross. Oh, but there was another one because there is Peter's ultimate testimony is rooted back on that agape love of God. See, there was one moment, one moment in which Peter, we said earlier, right? How many times did Jesus, did Peter deny Jesus, guys? How many times? Three times. Denied him three times. And then Jesus raises from the dead, Peter is one of the first ones who's like, wait, what? Him and John both going over there. I mean, they take off and they get there and, and, and they want to see and they, they're looking and, and, you know, wow, okay, he's not there, but they, they still were struggling. They went back. And now could you imagine the last time Peter saw Jesus? He denied him three times. Now Jesus is standing in the room. What would you do if you were Peter? How would you feel if you were Peter. Oh, that was a crazy feeling. And so, but Jesus loved them, encouraged them. But there was something still about Peter that he was holding on to. There was, a, there was a care that he did not cast off, he took it with him back to a boat. See, guys, Peter, the next time we see Peter after Jesus had resurrected, he's fishing again. You know why he's fishing? That was his business, that was his job. You know why he's fishing though? Because he thought he was disqualified. He was like, I let him down. I denied him three times. Here he is, he rose from the dead. I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not cut out for this. He had, he had so much hopes and, and he said so many things and I'm not cut out for this. And I know he loves me and I know he lives, but I'm just gonna go back to do what I used to do. And he got, he started fishing again. That's in the same place where Jesus first called him. And he said, Peter, what are you doing? He fished. It was this miracle of, of uh, you know, they, they couldn't catch anything all day. And all he had to do was throw it on the other side. And he did. It was a miraculous thing. That's when it all started. We, the story has come full circle. Peter is defeated on a boat, fishing in a lake. Ain't catching anything. Frustrated. Some of you. Like man, I ain't, I ain't get nothing out of this. I ain't get. I don't know about even you right now. I've been listening to this whole sermon. I ain't got nothing out of this. Maybe you were Peter. Does the same thing. Bro, I'm just fishing here, bro. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And from the from the shore, someone says, "Hey, you got anything? Nah. Why don't you try the other side? Change your perspective. Change your focus. All right. He did it. And the, the same miraculous catch. And Peter said, "No, that can't be. That's Jesus on the on the boat. And this time, man, Peter." He jumps in, doesn't even wait. He take, goes swimming to the beach, throws himself at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus has an interesting conversation. He asks him three questions. Do you love me? You still love me, Peter? You know I love you, man. i to feed my sheep. Get in the game. No, I can't. Do you love me? was like, Jesus, I know. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. man. Come on, Peter. Do you love me? Jesus, how many more times do I got to tell you? You know I do. Go ahead then, feed my lambs. Now you read that, you read love and love. All right, you know, Jesus and Peter weren't using the same words, guys. When Jesus says, do you love me? Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you love me with perfect love? Peter said, nah, I phileo you, man. I've, I've, that's, that's, that's a level of, in, in Greeks had different words for love. There was agape. And then there was, um, uh, phileo was just a, an, an honest, sincere love between brothers and friends. Jesus says, do you love me perfectly? It's like, nah, of course not. I can't do that. Come on, you saw me. I'm not perfect. I, 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 can, I can love you like my friend. My, I, I do love you, though, but not at that level. Jesus, so, no, do you agape me? He's like, I don't. I flail you. I love you in this way. I do love you, but I'm, I am not perfect. I can't love you in a perfect way. I can't do this. I, I can't follow you. Third time, Jesus asks the question, he changes the word. Now Jesus says, All right, Peter, do you phileo me then? He says, Yes, that's where I'm at. Cool. Come back you can get in the game, Guys, you don't understand what that right there is. Like Jesus is not demanding perfection from you. He just wants you to accept he makes you perfect. He is the one that perfects us. He does not expect perfection from you. I'm like, oh, I can't follow Christ. I can't serve. I'm not going to make it. I know you're going to mess up along the way. That's why we say, God, forgive us. All right, because we're going to mess up along the way. But look at what Jesus did. Jesus said, no, I need you to be perfect. He's like, I can't. I was like, I know, so let me be perfect for you. I'm going to start where you are. Guys, he always starts where you are. That is his, he's not, he's not this tyrant and that love of his, right? There's no end. The end of all things is near, but I have good news for you guys is that there is no end to his love for you. There is an end to time, but there is no end for His love. There is no end to His grace. There is no end to any of these things. And so that is why we need to depend 100% on Him, who is the same yesterday, today, and for what? Forever. This is who He is. And Peter was faithful until the very end. Tradition says he died, crucified, and he, by his own request, crucified upside down. I don't know if you know that. Peter was like, even at the very end, it was like, I don't deserve to be crucified in the same way my Savior was. Flip it. And they did. But in the end, you got to ask yourself, guys, was Peter crazy or was he convinced? And I pray that you may be convinced to depend on Christ for any and everything. Cast all of your cares. Why? Because he cares about you. And he wants to help you and keep you, be there for you so that you, cannot just live a better life and, and accomplish great things and, because there is nothing greater than knowing him. There is nothing greater than feeling the weight of your burden off of your shoulders. Now, some of you may have a lot of questions and leftover lingering things. Well, hey, you got to ask and depend on Christ no matter the difficulties. And he, notice what he will restore you. He will establish you. He will hold you until the end. You and I, maybe you can't even hold it together. I can't hold it together, guys. You can't, and if if you can't hold it together, then what do you do? You put your hand, put your life in the ones who hold. He is meant to hold you. Only he can.